is not an infinite resource or the prelude to a starter course. You don't send it back if it gets done wrong. This is your life. Treat yourself right. opportunity I can have for the newsboys to open up my message, I'm going to do that. <laughs> so um, we'll get to some, maybe a little bit more about what that video is talking about, but we get one life and that's it. The idea from this, for this message came from me passing the time, <laughs> playing a game, uh, playing a game of angry birds. Anybody ever play that game? You know, flick it over and you can send the bird uh, flying. Um, you get five hearts, five lives uh, to sort of cre- to f- complete that level. And, uh, if, and I'm playing this game and I'm thinking, man, some of these levels are hard. Have you ever played that game? And like, whoa, this is difficult. And um, then I'm starting to, th- and I'm thinking, man, I'm, it's a good thing I get five lives here. And uh, then I'm starting to think and something comes into my head and I think, Man, this life that we live is difficult, and we get one life. 
right? That's it. One life on this earth. And it is a hard life to live sometimes. We don't get a bunch more attempts at it. As the Newsboys song said, like, we get one shot at this. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit more about Angry Birds in a minute, but first let's talk about the one life that we, we do have. And I want to make sure, Rooted You students and all of us family, church family here, we remember, this is probably not a, a first time you've ever heard this, but we, our lives are valuable. We need to value and cherish our life. And fortunately, in our culture, that's not always the case. But we have to remember that our life, we have one of them. That we, don't ha- we, don't, we don't subscribe to a religion where, we've got, where we keep coming back time and time again. We're not, we don't believe in reincarnation. The Word of God tells us that we get one life to live on this earth and then It's eternity, eternal life or eternal death. And we live the life here lined up with the Bible, we get eternal life. In Psalm 139, though, it tells us not only that we're supposed to value our lives, but God values our life. You know, in Psalm 139, it describes how God created our innermost parts, and he knit us together in our mother's womb, and he watched us as we're being formed. In fact, every day of our life is written in a book before a single day even passes. And every morning we wake up, he's right there with us. So God, just think of, think of, that notion that God was there, he sees us, he was there when we were formed, he's there, he sees all of our days from the start to the end, and he's there, his presence is with us every day of our lives. God, not only are just we, are val- we are valuable because we have just one life, but God places an enormous value upon our lives just imagine he created each and every one of us. He didn't just say, create, bring creation into existence, make Adam and Eve, and then say, go on, you'll be fine, and the rest you know, sort of comes on its own. God creates, according to Psalm 139, every single one of us. So we have incredible value. And although we have incredible value, this incredibly valuable life is short in in terms of God's timing. Sure, we might live 20, 40, 60, 80, maybe even 100 years, but even that is not a very long time. James James says in the book, um, in, in chapter four, he says, what is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Think of that. God, in terms of our lives and what we, the time that we have on this earth, we're like a mist. We have this existence, and a valuable existence, but 
we have a short time to live. And it's funny, though, how when we think about our lives, there, we, we must know and remember that there's a right way and a wrong way to live. And as some say art imitates life, I say video games imitate lives. So I think we can learn something from video games. I mean, who's all for that, right? <laughs> I think we can learn some stuff from video games, what not to do and what to, we, we can do. You know, I came from the video game generation, and everybody younger than me knows about video games, and probably people are older than me probably just shake their heads thinking, what's the big deal? But, you know, I, was, I grew up on going to the arcade, and in, the, in every drugstore is a couple of arcade games, 25 cents, 25 cents, ride my bike up there to try and do a good job at Defender or Stargate or whatever. Uh, but I had Atari computer and Commodore and Sega and television, but when it comes to the video games and the classics, let's, let's take a look at the, the, fir, the video, first video game up on the screen. Tell me if you can recognize this video. Pac-Man, I heard it. Classic. Pac-Man gobbling up every single dot all throughout the maze, right? And all the while trying to avoid those famous colorful ghosts. B- Blinky, Pinky, Inky, and anybody know the name of the fourth? Clyde, I heard it. That's a Jeopardy question, by the way. And also we've got Angry Birds. I referred to it before. It's not quite classic, but many of you may have played this one on your phone or your iPad. Uh, You fling uh, various angry birds over to knock down the piggy's house, the green piggy's house. And when you do, you level up. That's the whole point of video games. You gotta get to the next level, right? And it's a simple concept. It's not complicated. You pull your finger back and there the, there the bird goes. That doesn't mean it's easy. And in fact, it sometimes could be very difficult and very puzzling. That's the point of the game. But that's the same thing about life, right? It's simple. It's true, it's simple. There's, there's a simplicity to living life. But often it's difficult. Who can agree with me that it's difficult to live our lives. Not complicated. It can be. We can create complex, complex situations. But the, the, the keys of living life are simple. It might be difficult, but you can do it. I'll get to the simple rules in a minute, but I think it's fun to think of some parallel ideas that we can get from video games. I'll stick you with this idea for a minute. Pac-Man. Who's ever... Uh, found themselves and can identify with the experience of being trapped in a maze, stuck in the chase, gobbling stuff up, collecting as much as we can, right? But it never feels like it's quite enough. Maybe we're running from the ghosts of our past or thoughts in our head that just seem to haunt us our worries and anxieties and feelings that we don't, we're not good enough. We're just plain afraid. Or maybe we're angry about just about everything. We throw stuff. And sometimes we throw ourselves into our work or into our family or into our status online 
or whatever we can find. And we just hope something sticks. We hope that something gets us to the next level. And we hope maybe if we just knock enough stuff down and make enough fuss that maybe our angry and frustration will keep the hungry green, green piggies away from our precious eggs. You know, we, we live in a digital rat race. Sometimes anger is spewed at every slide of the thumb. All seems to be a way of life these days. In the culture and what we see online, in our, sometimes the people around us, and, but certainly not in our own lives, right? If there only was a better way to live than chase, 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 and anger. But I offer to you that there is. And it starts right here in the Bible. There's a lot of important aspects when it comes to living well. We need to live a set-apart life, holy. We need to, we need to live a productive life, not waste it. Well, today I want to talk about <clears throat> the most important skill that we need to play the game of life. And it doesn't take fast thumbs. And it doesn't take a cheat code. Some of my gamer friends know what that means, a cheat code. Ask your kids. Everybody knows. <laughs> Younger that. <clears throat> so the skill that's needed to play in the game of life is love. Now, love is an action, <clears throat> and it's not easy sometimes, though. I told you it was going to be simple, a simple concept, but not always easy. <clears throat> In fact, it's usually not easy, because love is not just a word or a concept. It's an action. The word love is a verb, and if we love someone or something, we need to show them by doing something. We love somebody, give them a hug. That's a form of love. <clears throat> God loves. How do we know? Because he loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son. That's a lot of love. Jesus loves. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And it's what Jesus did for us. Massive show, show of love. And to show you where this idea of love being important comes from, um, there's two commands that are found, ain't, these are ancient commands, found way back in the Old Testament. You've heard them before. But here's how they go. In Deuteronomy 6, this is what it says. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul and with all your strength. And the other one's found in Leviticus. And it goes like this. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people. But love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. These are two great commands but they're in totally separate parts of the Bible, a couple, couple books away from one another. So how do they get linked together? Because some of you may have heard uh, these two commands simplified 
to say, love God and love others. Well, in Jesus' day, this is what would happen. There was more than 600 rules and commands that are found in the Bible from the Old Testament, and the, the experts in the law would spend their time debating whether, what, which one they thought was most important. So we see these debates acted out, written down, a few times throughout the Gospels. <clears throat> and the experts in the law would sit and they would test Jesus. And they would see what his answer would be. Because everybody was talking about these things. <clears throat> We're going to talk about two of these stories They have the same elements. There's experts in the law, there's Jesus, and there's these two commands, but they work out in two very different ways. The first one's found in Luke 10. And this is how it starts. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So, We first start out with an expert in the law standing up to test the creator of the universe. So how well do you suppose that's going to go for him? Probably not so well. But the trouble is for that guy was that he felt like he had more knowledge than Jesus and that he was in a position to test him. So let's see how it goes. Jesus replied, what is written in the law? How do you read it? So the expert in the law says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Great. Jesus replies, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. Now, if that was the end of the exchange, And this expert in the law sat back down and said, thank you. That's true. I agree with you. That that would be a, a, a good ending to that story. But instead, we find out that this expert in the law wasn't there to learn. He was just there to show how much knowledge he had. So he responded to Jesus by saying, But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? (laughs) Then Jesus tells the well-known parable about the Good Samaritan. The man goes from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he's beaten by robbers. They, They strip him of his clothes, they steal his stuff, and they leave him dead on the side of the road. Well, they believed he was dead. He was almost dead. <clears throat> now, a priest came along, walking along that same road, and instead of stopping, he went to the other side of the road and kept on going. Then a Levite, same route, same situation. He didn't stop, he kept on going. But a Samaritan, a man who was truly looked down upon by the the Jewish people and the experts in the law, Levites and priests, but he stopped 
And he bandaged the man's wounds, poured in oil and wine for medicine, put him on his own donkey, took him to an inn, provided for his care, and made sure that his care would be fully supported. Now Jesus, this is what Jesus asked then after he told that story. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert of the law replied, and I could just hear him probably under his breath, right? The one who had mercy on him. It's not in here, but I could just hear. What was that? Was that you said? The one who had mercy on him. And then Jesus said, go and do likewise. So Jesus gave this man a direct command because he needed it. His pride was getting in the way. And like the newsboy says, so here's the thing. This is what Jesus is trying to bring out or is bringing out for this story, one of the many things. Knowing the law perfectly doesn't make you a good, loving neighbor. Knowing everything that's written in here doesn't automatically make you a good, loving neighbor. No, nor does knowing the, the law well allow you to elevate yourself uh, above others. Because let me ask you this question. What happens when you elevate your life above someone else's? Uh, it automatically lowers the value of other people. And in God's eyes, knowing the rules, knowing what's in here, gets you nothing. Knowing who God is or saying, I've heard of Jesus, that doesn't get you anywhere. <laughs> knowing the rules and then putting them into practice, that's obedience. And that is a form of love. Love in action. That's what God's looking for. And like the Newsboys song was saying earlier, we're, we're called to treat others right and live like you know you should. So God, help us, you know, help us to keep our lives lowered and humble and, and live with mercy and, and love towards everyone. So now on to the second story. That's found in Mark, Mark 12. This is what it says. One of the teachers of the law <clears throat> came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that, the God, that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart and with all your understanding and with all your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself is the most important, is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said, you are not far from the kingdom. 
So from this interaction, Jesus had with the expert in the law, we see a very different conversation. Even though they're talking about the exact same thing, Jesus recognized this man's heart. This expert in the law had lots of knowledge. That was his job. But his heart was right. It was humble. He was truly seeking answers from this remarkable man named Jesus whom he'd met. And and so what came of that humility? Jesus told him that you're not far from the kingdom of God. And as a result, you know, another way to say that is he's close to the kingdom. He's on the right path. He's headed there. Imagine if you were that expert just seeking and you heard that from Jesus. The first expert in the law was just only concerned about his own status, trying to make himself look impressive and seeing if he could stump this fellow named Jesus that came on the scene all of a sudden. The expert had a lot of knowledge, but his heart was filled with pride and the pride got in the way of truly learning from the creator of the universe. So the key to life is living well, of, to living well is love, loving God and loving others, and a way to show your love to God is being obedient. Rooted youth students and families, let's remember that. Being, being a, a way to show your love is, to God is being obedient. And the way to show love to others is lived out by the Good Samaritan. He showed mercy and kindness and love and stopped where he was headed and took care of a man in need. Just like all so many people that we saw in that video with the newsboys, people stopped what they were doing and helped a person across the street or pushed a subway to the side so that a guy could get his leg out from the, between the gap. They put their love in action and then after time, after time, after time, help people in need. Now here's a bonus round. When it comes to video games, there's always a bonus round. There's something that works against us when it comes to loving God and loving others. And it's distractions. There's like lots of things, but this is one of, this is a biggie distractions. Who agrees that we live in a culture that is grasping at our attention everywhere we turn? We are, we are being pulled in every direction. We can watch TV and watch an episode of your favorite show and then watch the next one and the next one and the next one and the next one without even pressing a button. It automatically goes to the next episode. Next thing you know, 10 hours have gone by. And you just learned about how you can renovate a home somewhere in Hollywood. Ten different ways. Social media is fun and interesting and it keeps us connected, but we could sprain our thumb by how many times we slide that, that through, our, through our feed. But what if we were to remind ourselves, like I said in the very beginning, that our life is short? And like James says, it's like a mist that vanishes before we know it. 
Bob Goff, maybe you've heard of him. He wrote the book Love Does, and he also wrote the book Undistracted. He was looking at his family tree, and many of the men in his family tree that had gone before him seemed to die at remarkably a very close same age. So he took that information, made some calculations, and set himself up a timer, a countdown timer for himself, figuring that maybe he might be like all the other golf men in his life. And I know what you're thinking, that is sick. That's morbid. And in fact, he literally says that. I know what you're thinking, you probably think that's morbid. But he loves the idea. And it's because it's a constant reminder that his time is limited. He doesn't have a whole lot. And because of it, this guy is so productive. The things that Bob Goff has ever done. In fact, he has his phone number in the back of his books. His cell phone number. If you want to call him, he has made himself available for anyone to call him. I'm not going to put it up on the screen (laughs) because that's his thing. But he had decided that he, part of his life is to make himself available for anybody who, if they call him while he's within cell range, he will answer the phone, which is insane, but beautiful at the same time. Psalm 39 says this, and you might think, well, that's a ridiculous idea. Psalm 39 says this. Show me, Lord, my life's ends in the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting my life is. You have made my, dare, my days a mere hand breadth, like the width of my hand. The span of my years is as nothing to you. Everyone is but a breath. Even those who seem secure. Surely everyone goes around like a mere phantom in vain, and they rush about heaping up wealth without anyone knowing well, whose it will finally be. But now, Lord, what do I look for? My hope is in you. (laughs) There's a death timer right there. There's somebody asking for God to put that death timer right up on the wall. But I can't help but notice that verse 6 right there is talking about phantoms like Pac-Man, phantoms going around, and my Pac-Man rushing about, gobbling up, Dots, we do that a lot, don't we, in our culture. We try and collect. It's our weakness. Sometimes it's greed and selfishness, gathering more and more and more and more and more, just like Pac-Man. But what if we instead first put our hope in the Lord? Then if we could change our outlook that we have in life, the reality is that we do only have just a limited amount of time. Maybe it'll help us turn our attention away from the stuff and chasing after it and instead turn away from the distractions and realize that, hey, we only have a limited amount of time. And um, So maybe right now, let's even, I just challenge us all to consider the distractions that we have in our lives. I know mine. I know the stuff that keeps me from loving my wife and my kids well. I know the stuff that keeps me distracted from loving God the way I ought to. We all know what keeps us from what we should be doing. I think it's important that we think about that. You know, as even Cam mentioned earlier, you know, before the worship time started, we as sheep, for some reason, we just resist 
resting and laying down on those green pastures. What's that about us? Why are we, why are we so, so after the chase? You know, Jesus in, in, Psalm, in Luke 12, he, he speaks to greed and this chase. He literally uses that word. First, he starts about this, this paints this picture, this beautiful picture of the birds and the flowers and how God cares and provides for them. And then he contrasts that with us. And he says, how much more valuable you are than birds? How much more will he clothe you, he says. And then he finishes it like this. Do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs, listen to this, the pagan world runs after all such things. But seek, you run after all these things, and your father knows that you need them. This should be reassuring to know, first of all, that the world is just after their own chase, but God knows what we need. Here's what we need to do. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. God's gonna provide you for, with those things. Rooted you, students, he's gonna give you the stuff you need if you seek his kingdom first and you're not distracted by the stuff that the pagan world, the, that means just the world who doesn't follow God, what they're after. And it's interesting that Jesus links our anxieties and worries to chasing after stuff. There's more than 42 million people in the United States who are anxious. And I understand there's a lot of causes for anxiety. And if you're struggling with anxiety, I just want to suggest and, and encourage you to get help because there is help for people who are anxious. But Jesus presents this idea that the things we chase after brings about a lot of worry and anxiety to us. And we've got to be aware because those things distract us from loving God and loving others. How many people drove past people that fell down in that video? The little kitten that cars went around it. The Levite and the priest, they were distracted with where they had to go or they were distracted with fear. It's important that we think carefully about our situation and the distractions. So in a minute, I'm gonna read from uh, a passage in 1 Corinthians 11 as we prepare ourselves for communion. But rooted you students, this is many t for many of you, some of you is for the first time you're gonna be taking communion, and there's this set of words in there that's, that goes like this, examine yourselves. And for those who maybe even aren't familiar with the idea that we're, when we sit down at the communion table, as we call it, we take part in communion, the bread and the cup. Paul is, is encouraging us to examine ourselves and take an assessment of how we're doing when it comes to living our life. And are we loving God? Are we loving others? For just as this example, sometimes the Holy Spirit speaks to us and 
tells us that we've got to work on this. We've got to check out that. We've got to get ourselves back on track. And you can take this opportunity right now. As the message is presented, we, we check ourselves with the Lord and, and speak to him and examine ourselves. So I'm going to put a couple things as a reminder up on the screens as I read this scripture. First, we've, as a reminder, we get one life. One. We don't get to try it again. Though we have great value to God, we have a limited amount of time on earth to do what he's called us to do. And what has he called us to do? To be humble. Let's not approach things like the expert in the law in the first story. Let's be humble. And then let's love God and love others. And as we're examining ourselves, Let's look at that list and ask God, how am I doing with that? Help me do better. This is what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 11. For I received from the Lord what I passed on to you. The Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. So this is the remedy to that. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat from the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. And that is why many among you are weak and sink, weak and sick, and the number of you have fallen asleep. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be finally condemned with the world. So I'm gonna pray over the bread. Pastor Pat's gonna come and pray over the cup. There's gonna be also just a, a quiet time for, to con, for you to consider. You know, while I'm reading, while I read that, and just even a moment of silence to allow us to all examine ourselves. How are we doing? God, how am I doing? Walking with you. Dear Lord God, we thank you for the bread. We ask that you bless it. We thank you for what it represents, your body, that you willingly offered because of love, because you love us. Your son offered his body so that we might live. He was beaten, nailed to a cross, and laid into a grave all for our sakes. We humbly thank you for that. We remember your sacrifice. As we spend some moments of time with you, Lord, help us stay focused and undistracted from what you're calling us to do, how to play the game of life. 
we start with love because that's where you started. You loved us so we could love you back. Bless this bread. In Jesus' name, amen.